Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with part three of our blockchain series with our industry expert, Mr. Kenneth A. Goodwin Jr., the senior managing principal and president of Genesis Capital Markets. Kenneth, welcome back to the program. Darrell, always a pleasure to be on your radio show at WSOU.net 89.5 FM. Uh, it's a pleasure, always a pleasure. And, and I'm kind of biased today because today is my birthday. <laughs> so, well, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And tomorrow is my mommy's birthday. So I want to wish her spirit a happy, peaceful birthday. So it's Beautiful. a great day. And um, um, I'm very, uh, it's an honor and a privilege always to be on the radio show with you, sir. Well, I, I, I want to thank you because the feedback that we're getting from our audience is awesome in regards to we're helping to demystify blockchain and to educate our leaders as to why they really need to pay close attention to blockchain. And this week, we're talking about AI, artificial intelligence. And so let's jump right in. If you could, you know, what is AI? Can you define it for us? Uh, artificial intelligence, uh, as you know, Darrell, or better known as AI, uh, when I, and I like to look at it from a computer science standpoint. Uh, it's, it's, it's machine intelligence, um, and it's basically demonstrated by machines stimulating intelligent behaviors. In contrast to, let's say, natural intelligence uh, displayed by human beings. And what we say by uh, machines simulating intelligence behaviors, meaning that there's, a, there's an area of taking data and using data for machine learning, or in some cases, deep learning, and eventually using that to have an outcome, a result. And that result could be uh, some type of uh, probability outcome. Uh, that result could be a cognitive uh, out outcome. But it, there is a result as a result of looking at all the data uh, that is received by the machine. Wow, that is, that, is, that is very interesting. So when we're, we're hearing about all of these predictive analytics, um, AI is behind the scenes making this happen. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Uh, you, you're finding artificial intelligence being applied to the basic uh, applications on everyday life. Uh, you, you've seen it applied to voice recognition, uh, where let's say you and I make a call to a call center. Before you make that call, artificial intelligence is being applied in trying to understand your purpose and your reasoning for calling. And ultimately the purpose behind that is to get you to the right individual or, and, and eventually get you to the right results, which is the right solutions, the right outcome. So you'll find that AI is being applied at the very basic uh, tenets of our, of our lives. Even from, let's say, uh, taking a subway or, or driving your car down the street, you have artificial intelligence being used uh, 
to monitor, uh, monitor your movements. And, and that could be applied to, uh, let's say, trying to determine your, your future location. This is what they call location intelligence. And I was able to do an article around about two years ago with Paul Ashmet on using location intelligence to help with cybersecurity. And the thought behind that was that if you're able to determine and at least capture historical data where individuals are going, you can project a future location. So you can see the use of artificial intelligence, the idea of machine intelligence being used to calculate or project a future outcome. Wow. And so how did this all start it? You know, when did the world start to recognize artificial intelligence? And as I say, who are the godfathers of artificial intelligence? Well, you know, that's a, a great question, Darrell. I mean, there's a lot of arguments behind that. Um, some people would say it's John McCarthy in 1956. Uh, some people would say it's turning. Um, you know, some people would say there's other, uh, you know, there's Marvin Minsky and Alan Newell. Um, you know, some people would even go as far as to say that the first thought of it was the logic theorist designed by Newell and, and Simon in 1955. And the other argument would be DARPA, right? Our government, Department of Defense, the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency and the work that they were doing uh, about 60 years ago. And then the other argument would be that we always had artificial intelligence, um, that we always had this epsilon source of intelligence that was done uh, during the period of the pyramids in Giza. That when you look at the way the, the pyramids were structured, at least from a mathematical uh, constant of it, and the fact that it was done in a way that it was perfect, literally perfect, and the way that it actually was positioned and how it aligned to the Orion and the energy forces that is able to calculate. Uh, so it takes math, mass, uh, time, and is able to calculate that uh, precisely. Has a, a level of artificial intelligence um, that we still apply today. So the, the fundamentals of artificial intelligence was established way before the names that I mentioned. Yes, absolutely. And so when we, when we think about the intersection between blockchain and AI, what are those current intersections that you are witnessing today, especially in fintech? Well, the found, and that's a great question, Darrell. The, the, the fundamental intersection between artificial intelligence, AI, and blockchain, it, it all derives from big data the use of data. And in the case of blockchain, uh, blockchain allows for data to be distributed across uh, multiple general ledgers. So you have distributed ledgers that is, allows for a level of transparency. 
the great thing about that is that it also allows for more data to be used, which is very key uh, for artificial intelligence, because artificial intelligence relies on the usage of data and the frequency of data. So when you look at AI and blockchain, you definitely see those intersections that's done on the big data uh, platform. Now what is happening is the application of it. How is it being applied? So you're finding a lot, and most people tend to look at AI and they think robotics, right? So they think robotics is the first application or most common application for artificial intelligence. But you're finding also in FinTech and insurance, uh, cybersecurity, you're finding it in uh, personal assistance. And when we say personal assistance, you know, Genesis Capital Markets have been very fortunate to partner with IGO. IGO uses what they call a third wave artificial intelligence. In fact, I'm, I'm very biased to say uh, the founder of, of IGO, Peter Voss, he was the creator uh, and he coined the term artificial general intelligence. So IGO, Darrell, basically uh, what it does, it's, a, it's an advancement to what we use for Amazon Echo or Amazon uh, Echo, but also what's the, the other one um, that we use? Oh, Siri uh, and, and Google? <laughs> Siri, Google, uh, Echo, um, so when you, when you speak over the device, basically those questions and those responses are prescribed. And in a case of, and it's, there's a bit of learning in there. There's a bit of learning. There's a bit of learning about trends and patterns. But with IGO, IGO actually probes you. So what IGO does is IGO is basically, it learns your patterns, but it also asks other questions to get a sense as to how you're thinking. And that kind of artificial intelligence is kind of a cognitive thinking, uh, almost like a brain. And so you'll find that a lot more being applied in personal assistance uh, type of devices. Uh, there's other applications that you can use it for uh, other than that, but but you're finding that uh, to be applied, uh, it can be applied in healthcare, uh, where you know you as a patient, and let's say you become very ill, and and you have a challenging times of communicating uh, your your actual physical condition. Uh, in the case of third wave technology, you're able to because you probed and you're able to ascertain enough information and data be able to project what would it be like in the future in terms of the types of medicines that you need to take, uh, in terms of um, your daily routine. Those are the things that uh, you're seeing more and more of AI uh, being applied to, um, as well as enterprises. When you start to talk about enterprises, uh, basic operations, supply chain, uh, what you're finding more with artificial intelligence and blockchain is the future of factory. How would a factory be looked at in the future? You have a lot of robots, so you definitely have robotics, 
but you also have this streamline of data being applied to distributed ledger. So it's almost one, it's a, it's a complement to each other. Artificial intelligence is complementing blockchain, or blockchain is complementing artificial intelligence to operate a factory in the future. And that could be from a supply chain standpoint where we are monitoring our goods and services or the ingredients or the sources of ingredients to the final outcome. And then of course, the distribution of those uh, final outcomes to our consumers. So AI and blockchain works hand in hand. And those, those are just uh, some simple examples where we can provide a little bit more detail in our discussion. You know, uh, recently I, I read an article uh, in Fortune magazine from some time ago. It talked about the four waves of, of AI, whereas the first wave is the internet AI, the second wave is the business AI, and you have referred to the third wave of artificial intelligence called perception AI, and then they talked about the fourth wave um, of autonomous AI. In, in your current experience with the client base that you're dealing with, it, it, it appears to me that you are, you, you are experiencing clients with Genesis Capital that is actually touching upon all four waves. Is, is my perception correct in that? Or have only three waves hit with AI today? Yeah, that's a very good question, Darrell. I wish... Um I wish we touched the fourth level, autonomous AI. You have autonomous data, where I have a client called Squirrel. Squirrel is basically what it does. It takes unstructured data analytics, and it has a marrying search with artificial intelligence. So what it tries to do is tries to capture data that, uh, let's say, if we have a conference call or we take notes. It looks at that data, and it creates a matrix, it provides a value to that data. So now that data has an impact to the final outcome. And I wouldn't call that fourth wave. I, I still believe that's kind of second wave to a certain degree. Um, you know, I think, you know, the public sees third wave or maybe fourth wave. We actually have fifth wave, which is singularity. You know, you hear the term singularity being used. And, you know, Stephen Hawkins and, and Elon Musk warn us about that. But, and then that's no, no, uh, that's slightly different from the university or the school in California called Singularity University uh, by Reese Jones, Professor Reese Jones and Neil Jacobstein. But the idea of singularity is total independence where artificial intelligence have maximized or reached the capacity where it has learned so much data, so much natural intelligence that is able to make its own decisions. And what happens in that kind of construct is because it becomes very aggressive. Uh, so now it starts to challenge itself to look upon other data sources to learn and overtake it. Uh, my client base tends to be around the third wave and that Peter Voss's firm, IGO, is, is pretty much, I would say, around uh, third wave technology. 
Uh, and that's, that's what I see so far. But I, I do come across the conversations behind fourth and fifth wave. Um, but here's the key to this, Darrell. In order for us to go to space, we have to touch, and I think you're touching on a very uh, important point here. In order for us to travel to space, we have to go past those five waves. And it requires us to go into a fourth or even fifth wave, um, at least from space technology. So it's, it's not as if it hasn't been explored. I believe it's been explored. I don't believe it has been shown or demonstrated to the public as much, but I do believe in private settings. Um, there's an ample amount of research and development for the fourth and fifth wave. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with our blockchain industry expert, Mr. Kenneth A. Goodwin Jr., who is the managing principal and president of Genesis Capital Markets. We're talking about blockchain and AI, artificial intelligence today. Also, just want to remind everyone, this is part three of our four-part series. If you missed part one and part two, you can go to iTunes under Seton Hall University, look for Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter, and then you'll see Mr. Kenneth Goodwin, part one and part two. So, Kenneth, when we talk about space, it's amazing that we have done so much in space um, utilizing um, AI frameworks um, with, um, I guess, back in the day with those computers from IBM or, or Sperry that, were, that, were, that, that could take up a whole room, if you will. And, and, and now it's, it's, it, the capability is really within the palm of our hand on an HP calculator. And so with, with your discussions with Mr. Jim Smith of Catapult Research, what are you finding that he is doing that is so unique to be able to predict what's happening in the blockchain currency marketplace? What form of AI is he using to, to do this great research? Well, thank you very much, Darrell, for bringing up Catapult Research and Jim Smith and the, the great work that he's been doing. Um, basically what Jim does is Jim is, is a W.D. Gann expert. And W.D. Gann was in the 19, early 1900s, an economist who believed that if you calculate the energy forces, the realm from the astrology, from the sun, the stars, the moon, and the movements of that, the position of that, if you're able to get that energy force, it would eventually have an impact on our livelihood here in the U.S. or in the, on the planet Earth, basically. And that would be able to determine the time and price of changes in equities, and equities being in the stock market, the fixed income market, mainly commodities and foreign exchange, and for some reason, it goes complementary very well, Darrell, with uh, crypto assets, mainly the top 10. So when you look at Bitcoin, Ethereum, you look at Ripple, uh, look at uh, NEO, uh, all those in the top 10, for some particular reason, it, uh, at least in terms of looking at a pure data analysis, 
is able to project specifically the highs and lows and the dates and time of when it will occur. And in essence, when you look at the fundamentals of that model, they use what they call a rule of nine. So Jim is able to calculate using the rule of nine, the energy forces, at least the impact, and he's able to capture not just delta. So we're, we're accustomed to looking at alpha, beta, and delta, but he's also captured epsilon, which is the unknown. And if you're able to capture epsilon, you're able to project into the future. And so the, the rule of 144 takes 144 months. For every major event, if you add 144 months forward, it will project another major event. And so WDGAN was able to successfully calculate that. And if you look at the, the, the nuances of the formula, it goes right back into Einstein's E equals MC squared, which you know, speaks on energy, speaks on mass, right? speaks on time. So all of these have a interconnectedness uh, to each other. Wow. That is that is very very deep and 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 I noticed here on a chart that you provided me about uh, his research that um, he he states here that in his estimation that something significant is going to happen in March of 2021. Yes, and, and if you look at the timing of that, Darrell, it's it's right around the time of a of here in the U.S a new presidency, or at least a new term. A new term, right, uh, right. So there's, there's a projection for that. There's also a projection for uh, an event, at least in terms of the overall economics marketplace or macroeconomics uh, in, in the um, last week in January. So the fourth week in January, you know, there's this projection that of course the equity markets are gonna go up they have been going up steadily, at least in the past couple of days, uh, as people, as firms start to reveal their report, uh, their, their annual report, or at least the um, report from the last quarter, uh, there's been some positive earning reports. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase has some uh, positive earning reports, as well as Goldman Sachs. So the sentiment now tends to be positive. Nonetheless, uh, that's going to only last for a short moment, and it's going to lead to a dip, a potential decline in the fourth week in January. And all of these aligns to basically the astrological astro forces, at least the energy that the stars are revealing uh, to us, and it impacts our uh, daily lives. But it's interesting how this ties into artificial intelligence, Darrell, because that is the, the data, the source, the epsilon that, uh, that is being captured, that AI is trying to achieve. But also, it also, it separates us as humans from machines. The one thing that artificial intelligence cannot capture is the innate inertia 
or our gut, what I call the gut feeling, or the spiritual knowledge that comes from being a human being. Uh, if you apply that to robotics, it just doesn't work. So there is this extra intelligence that we have as humans that is connected to the makeup. And if we connect to that, then that's another form of artificial intelligence. That's the whole natural intelligence that we've always had, but we really, you know, to a certain degree may not have captured it as much. Wow. So I am a small businessman. I am a businessman with a medium-sized business. I am a leader in a large corporate organization. And I'm hearing this about AI. What are the things that I need to do as a leader to make myself better prepared to lead my organization to utilize this technology to ensure that my business is an ongoing concern? What are your recommendations, Kenneth? I, I would definitely do your research. First, try to see whether or not artificial intelligence is needed for your business operations. And if it is needed for your business operations around where, what part of the business could have the best use of artificial intelligence. So let's say if you are a small investment management firm, and you have clients who call in frequently, then maybe AI could be applied to the telephone voice recognition system. When someone's calling in and they are able to give information to you, so that's information that you're gathering, but also they're able to get to the, the final conclusion of their questions. Uh, that could be uh, an area where AI is applied to. If you're a small manufacturer, uh, maybe it could be applied to your supply chain system. Uh, let's say if you're involved in auto tech, you know, if you're an automobile producer or a small firm or even mechanic, there could be a way where AIs use artificial intelligence is used to help you to uh, get a future projection in terms of your consumer base, but also where it's best for you to get your material. Uh, the same in, in using marketing and sales. Uh, I, in fact, I would say marketing sales is probably the best place to be used at or utilized where you're are capturing data, and that's data, historical data, of individuals who are, who are purchasing your products and your services, and you're able to kind of get a sense and build and build a future uh, history or future of how that your client would be able to uh, get new products or services. And that's helpful for you as a business because you're able to build new products and you're able to develop new services for your clients. So there's multiple uses of it, but I would say do the research first, see where it's applied, and, and then try to capture the impact of it. The key thing is, is capturing the impact because artificial intelligence at its best is used as a partnership to your objectives. 
uh, and that's not just in business, but also in life and personal life in general. Kenneth, believe it or not, we are at the end of our segment. Wow, this was riveting. I want to thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Kenneth A. Goodwin, Jr., who is the Senior Managing Principal and President of Genesis Capital Markets, who has provided us with part three of our series on blockchain. And today our focus was AI. Kenneth, thank you for coming on the program. Terrell, it's always a pleasure being on the show. I just want to leave off by uh, saying thank you again. And, uh, and I like to leave off with my website. I know last time when we spoke, I was kind of off with the, the website information. But I like to leave the audience with the website uh, for Genesis Capital Markets. We are very active on LinkedIn also. So you can just look, look on the LinkedIn and you'll see Genesis Capital Markets. But our website is HTTPS, you know, the, the back, uh, backslash Genesis, J-E-A-N-E-N-S-I-S, cap, C-A-P, markets, M-A-R-K-E-T-S dot com. And Darrell, we always look forward to being on the radio show with you. It's always a pleasure to share wisdom on artificial intelligence. That's beautiful. And ladies and gentlemen, join us next week for part four, where we're going to do a wrap up of this initial series. And again, I want to, to thank our guest, Mr. Kenneth A. Goodwin Jr., who is the managing principal and president of Genesis Capital. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this week on Leadership with Darrell Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Have a great weekend, but always remember, leadership begins with you.